business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hi, everyone. This is Walt, and you're about to listen to the Business and People podcast episode with Anthony Richardson. Now, One of the troubles we had with this episode was that the audio and the video kept dropping in and out. I've done my best to edit all of the major cutouts with you, but stick with the podcast, stick with the video, because what Anthony drops in terms of knowledge, he started from nothing, created a business in his garage, has gone on to create a multi-million dollar company, pivoted to create another multi-million dollar company. His knowledge is insane. So I know the audio sucks. And there's a few dropouts, but stick with it because it's really worth it. And as always, thanks so much for listening and for your loyalty to the program. Make sure you share it around so other people and other entrepreneurs can get that knowledge and help them on their journey as well. This is Anthony. This is the Business and People podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey guys, this is Walt Bayless with the Business and People podcast. Today, I've got a personal hero on the show with me. This is a gentleman that I read about in the news and went, wow, what a story. Somebody that's gone from creating a business in their garage through sheer necessity. He spent 11 years in the Navy, then went into the Special Forces and now runs a multi-million dollar company. Now, that wasn't enough. He supplies the Pentagon. He supplies some of the biggest arms forces in the world. He's gone from having 20 bucks in the bank to making millions of dollars in a year. And his story is nothing short of an inspiration. It's an absolute pleasure for me to introduce to you Anthony Richardson of Q83 and Ozfit Torsion Bars. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure and thanks for the kind words. It's, uh, Mate, it, it's, it's of, really easy to yeah. give those kind words. When I look at your story, starting from a military background and then moving through into the business field, how did that all come together for you? Uh, honestly, I've, um, the first business I started was uh, when I was 16. So I feel that my grandfather was in the military. So I felt that I was, I was obligated in a way to go to the military, um, which certainly I loved, honestly, as a, as, as a kind of 16, 17-year-old learning about, wait, there's a job where I can shoot guns and blow stuff up and get paid? Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So uh, I loved my time there. Um, but I felt that uh, the role that I was doing there was almost like spending a lot of time in a simulator and not getting real-time operational experience. Um, so I had kind of idle hands in a way and I would just look at other things I would do um, to create businesses and, and yeah, they just took off, which was great. That's awesome. So your first business was was on a push bike, mending yeah. mending lawnmowers, going door to door, fixing people's yeah. mowers. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'd, I'd have my push bike because I was I didn't have my license at the time. I was too young. Um, so I just grabbed some tools and, and with lawnmowers, they're pretty easy machines. Um, generally there's only a handful of things that break on them. So I would just take those spare parts with me. Um, and then I would, I would kind of fix them there on the, on the spot. Um, it came out because I was actually working at a, uh, a service station and it was a pretty old fashioned service station where the attendant would come out and actually fuel up the car, which you never see anymore. Uh, and then, uh, I've, I just kept seeing that these people were rocking up with their uh, nice Mercedes and pulling this dirty lawnmower out of the back of the car and generally scratching it on the way. Uh, why don't I just go to their house and save them the trouble and get paid at the same time? See a need, feel a need. I love it. And then from there into the military. So what, what was your, if you could look at an amazing service career, which you had there in the military and take yes. a few things away from it, what would you say you, you walked away from the military with as core skills? Uh, I would say um, the ability to be adaptable, 
is is key um, and be nimble. Um, not everything goes to plan, um, but I think it's uh, when, when you're dealing with any kind of hardship or a barrier um, that wasn't expected, um, it's the ability to just accept it and just move on. Um, it, it's not going to change um, and there's no point losing time uh, on something that you can't change or you can't affect. Uh, so I think that adaptability was absolutely key. Uh, but also understanding how to manage people. Um, we, we do a lot of management training. Um, at a time, I was managing around 20, 25 guys, and it was, it was key to understand that, yes, we do have a, a ranking structure um, that obviously must be adhered to, uh, chain of command that always works. Uh, but if you've got a guy who's just come through, there was an instance where we needed to actually fix a boat, uh, and generally the boat needed to be repaired. Uh, we have a corporal who would take charge or a leading seaman at that rank that would take charge, middle management kind of structure, uh, and he would take charge of the lower ranks to fix the boat. But in this instance, one of the lower ranks was a shipwright for 40 years. So obviously he's going to take charge in that instance. Yeah. So it's looking at people and who they are, not what's on their shoulders uh, and, and, and that kind of thing. And that's where we learned that in this instance, the guy who was, who was fresh out of recruit school, you would see him as a bit of a greenhorn. Uh, however, he was a shipwright for 40 years. So he knew his stuff when it came to fixing boats. Super so cool. He took mission. So moving then from there into the business world, and I, I want to dig into your business journey a little bit, but staying on topic where we're talking about, you know, recognizing people's skills and who they are. You've built, so you've had an amazing success with uh, Osfit Torsion Bars, which I'll, which I'll dig into. You've now created Q83, which is a, a design for uh, influencers, et cetera, to really reach the right people and get, and get the right information. You've grown that business to 11 people yep. in 12 months, which is staggering. So staying on yes. topic, how have you found those skills that you learned with the military, being able to work with people, be adaptable, change what you need to do? How have you moved that into your business growth? Uh, it's, it's understanding the market. Um, I think understanding what the market needs and then adapting a solution for the problem that you're trying to fix. Um, I think that's that's the biggest key. I will never start a business without their understanding that needs a solution. Um, I think a lot of people may have an idea around a business, um, but then they try and find the market for it. Um, and it's just kind of set up for failure from the beginning. Um, so we understood that there was the market. Um, we understood there was a problem and then fixed the solution for it. But in the early days, the idea of what the problem is isn't what the actual problem is when you learn it 12 months down the track. It's very different. Um, yeah, so much market research needs to be done. Um, and from an outsider looking in generally when the idea comes to mind, um, yeah, the problem is very different once you get your hands dirty and understand uh, the inner workings and kind of spend time with these guys. So, so that's what I did. So in the early days, we understood the problem from an outsider's point of view. Uh, but I wasn't marketing. I'm, I'm not, obviously not from marketing industry. Did a little bit of influencer marketing with uh, Osfit Torsion Bars, uh, which was great. And that's where the problem existed. Uh, we had influencers approaching us for product for exposure. And we understood it worked. And we approached it in a way that was kind of like um, a bit of FOMO. Like we knew that we wanted to get into it, but we didn't want to put too much money into it because we didn't know if it was going to work or not. Uh, and when we would advertise with like men's health or a digital uh, platform or publisher, uh, we would see a clear, uh, clear value offering from them. And that would be in the form of a media kit. Right. That would tell us who their readership was, what their reach was, demographics, um, and a clear rate card. But I feel that that was missing from uh, the, uh, the influencer space. It was almost uh, like so we were wild, wild West there. Like it's, you know, hey, you've got 
you've got a couple of thousand people that follow you on Instagram and suddenly, you know, you're, you're reaching out to some of the biggest companies in the world. So you've taken that and you've professionalized it in that, in that Q83 space. Definitely. Yeah. And, and we really wanted that professionalizing um, angle to come from the social publishers. And that's what we refer to them as because um, ultimately they are a mini publishing house. Yeah. Um, they have millions of reach. Um, some have higher reach than what their followers are. We've got a couple of comedians that are on the platform and they use our media kits to share their value. And one specifically has 8,000 followers and he's reaching 87,000 followers or 87,000 unique accounts, which yeah. is huge. Um, so if you look at the, the expected outcome you're going to have there, um, it's, it's going to be well above um, your expectations and you're more likely your KPIs. Unreal. So I, I'll, get, I'll jump into Q83 uh, in a little bit further detail in just a minute. But coming back to, to I guess, I, I want to put this in inverted commas, what made you famous was the, the Ausfit torsion bars. Um, now, oh, this as a business idea started in your garage. So you saw, you, you've done the special ops training, you, you've um, been punished on the, on the uh, military field in a workout space with these damned heavy bars and you went, wow, I could really get that into the marketplace. How did you go from uh, that's a great idea to then yes. getting into the Pentagon and actually getting your equipment into the largest naval base in the world? How did that journey happen? Uh, um, it was, so I was, um, I was a combat systems operator, mine warfare in, in the Navy. Um, so that's not a special forces role, but I was training for a special forces role. Um, I never went into the special forces, um, just to be clear, just so I'm not kind of claiming that, that, that never happened. I went into, uh, the training for it. Okay. Um, it was really good. And that's where I learned of the, um, the torsion bars, uh, and these, these heavy pieces of steel that could just bring tears to your eyes really quickly. <laughs> and, uh, and in that journey, I decided, you know what, I'm 25 at the, at the time. This isn't for me. I might come back in a little while. And, uh, and I decided to take a gap year and I created these, the torsion bars took them back to the Navy and, and the issues that we had on, on the training on the quarter deck of the ship was that equipment would rust really quickly. Um, as the ship is rolling around, um, the equipment's rolling with it and you've kind of got to dodge it before it goes over the side. Um, so I designed it so it doesn't rust and doesn't roll, took a couple of samples back to the Navy and, and they said, these are awesome, uh, let's do a trial. So we did. We put uh, 30 torsion bars onto a, a frigate that went over to the Middle East uh, for six months. And they loved it. They came back. We fit out the fleet now in Australia um, and fit out all the bases, which is great. And then uh, I have a, a friend in, in the US um, and I said, look, I want to do a bit of a tour in the US. I want to kind of start to enter that market and put my, put my toe in the water. And, and he's like, well, I've got a contact at the Pentagon if you want to work out there. And I'm like, it'd be amazing. It'd be like a kid in a candy store pretty much. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so I went there, did a workout. The guys loved it. Um, and then we went down to Norfolk Navy Base, which is obviously down in uh, Virginia. And that was perfect. Um, we went down there and had a look, um, did a workout as well. They picked up some gear as well. And, uh, and it was great. And only recently, we've actually just released a new, uh, a new piece of equipment, which is actually the first, it's, it's the first iteration of the torsion bar we've, we've ever released, uh, which is pretty, pretty exciting. And it's, a, uh, it's an M4 weapon simulator. Uh, so it's, it's for fitness. Obviously, if you're running as a soldier, um, as a sailor even, uh, you need to you need to mimic carrying a, a four kilo weapon uh, for a long time. So we created these weapon sims, and we've actually just released those with the the Marines, um, which is wow. really exciting. Yeah, I love it, mate. And and following your journey, as I said, I I was absolutely inspired uh, as an entrepreneur myself by your journey and and what it took to 
to go from those humble beginnings. One of the things I loved on your Instagram uh, was that first post where you were flying business class. So you've gone from, you know, barely having 20 bucks in your pocket to literally making millions. Can you, Anthony, give me a brag moment. What was, when, can you remember the day or, you know, the scenario when you opened the email or or whether it came in hard mail or however it came to you, when you had that order that just blew the roof off with, with Ausfit Torsion Bus? Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, uh, I'd say it was probably with the, uh, with the Aussie um, military, honestly, because we, we, when we kind of, we did that trial um, and it was, it was six months. Um, there was a lot of hard work going into that trial. So those prototypes I took to them, they were kind of unfinished. There was three of them. It took me about a month to make. And the premises of the, of the trial was we need 30 torsion bars in 10 days. So I'm like, shit, how am I going to do that? <laughs> took you took you three uh, months but we to make three. Okay, cool. Off. If I got it all done, um, didn't have a lot of sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I got it all done, which was um, yeah, exactly. And uh, so I think that was that was definitely when the, the trial was a success, and they were in the tender, they were in the contracting, uh, and they're like, all right, cool, let's start looking at how many ships there are, what the quantities are per ship, and and just looking at the numbers that are associated in the cost of that. Um, and they're still saving money at the end of the day, which was, it was so win-win and that's, that's how I like to work. But when we received that, um, that was very much like a bit of an eye, you know, going from the garage, um, setting up mass production, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, received. what's, um, what's the, uh, you, you frozen there, mate. So I'm going to jump in with a question and I hope I'm not cutting you off and we've got a bit of a dodgy, uh, internet connection here. So hopefully we can pick that back up. If you can still hear me, Anthony, what's the volume yeah, okay. now? You got you back, cool. So, what's the volume now? You, you went from doing. Uh, you, it took you three months to make your first three. What kind of volume are you doing now, monthly, either in kilograms of steel or in you know sheer numbers of bars that you're selling? Like, how many are you doing in a month now? Honestly, I have to have a look. Um, we we <laughs> now have our, our team with with Austria Torch Bars. Um, so, I'm still managing director, um, but there, there's a CEO and its own sales team itself, which is which is amazing. But my head is all in Q83 now, so I'd honestly have to look. Um, but we, we've just set up our first international sales guy um, mm. before we're doing everything, uh, doing everything internally. Uh, so he's great. So he, he's taking charge. Good. So uh, I heard you say you've got, you've got your guy now. He's looking at like your, your, your managing or your, uh, your director of Oxford Torsion Bars taking control of the whole business and it's freed your time up. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, my, so since August last year, I've been... Uh, I've been heading to Q83 um, and, and setting up that business and, and really kind of establishing it. Awesome. Um, so in Ausfit, I still I still love it because um, that's like my baby in a way. Like just seeing it grow, is, I love to still get in there. Um, but in terms of numbers, honestly, I'm so far out of the game. <laughs> no, that's cool. So let's, let's get the reports every now and then. <laughs> let's transition into where your head's at with Q83 then. Um, so let me finish off with Ausfit Torsion Bars and just say one of the things I loved about the concept, and this is just from a personal point of view, is I saw a picture where you had all of these torsion bars ranked from, I think it was two kilos up to 25 kilos in the back of a hatchback, you know, a back of a yes. little wagon where a personal trainer can have a whole range of bars and can go and do a class and fit all of their equipment in such a small space. I loved it. So I think there's a massive market still there for you. So that's amazing. I'm super happy for you. And I think that the growth through the States and through the UK and through, through Europe is going to see you in many more business class flights. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's transition into Q83 because 
from our listeners, most of our people, Anthony, are they're entrepreneurs. Maybe they're a year yep. or two in, or maybe they're just getting started. They've got that kind of idea yeah. and they want to transition from, from working for someone else into their new in- environment or, you know, they're, they're driven, they're salespeople, they're achievement focused. So with Q83, what's fascinating for me is that you've been able to take this concept, again, you've seen an idea and you've grown that into, you know, an 11-person company in 12 months. What yeah. were the lessons that you learned with your first business that were able to then help you start Q83 with such a massive push forward? Uh, the, the first would be absolutely understanding um, the problem in the market. Yeah. There, there are two things I really want to get a grip on um, before I put a dollar into anything. Um, I think that's really important. So I actually sat down and thought about Q83 six months before I started looking into it again. Yeah. Um, mainly because I saw the problem it was affecting me and, and the way that we Ausfit used influencers. Uh, and then I went to my finance director and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And he's like, how about no? Because we've got this other business that's going really well and taking up a lot of time. <laughs> and I'm like, good point. So we thought about it a little bit more. And uh, I was actually in LA um, with, with Ausfit um, and I was sitting down at a cafe and it just kept coming back to me. And I'm like, nah, you got to do it. So I did a bit of a feasibility document on it. Um, and, and pushed it through to and said, look, this is what I want to do. Um, I think we have to do it and the time is now. Um, if we wait, we're going to regret it. Uh, and he's like, all right, let's do it. So nice. that was that was definitely the start. But understanding the not jumping into it, yeah. um, I think before because I was a PT and I, I could actually see where the torsion bus would fit into my day-to-day life, it was very easy to, to jump into that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, but going to a market or going to an industry that I had no idea about, I could just see it on the buy side and how that was affecting me and my trust in, in I guess, uh, investing into the channel. Uh, so I could see it, but I didn't fully understand it. So I really need to take the time to fully understand what I was getting into. Um, now, that, that was absolutely that, that was the answer that you gave before, we're understanding that, Mark. But one of the things that you said was really interesting for me was, was that, that the problem you thought the market had is very different yes. than the problem you find the market has now 12 months in. So like in, I guess in the business terms, they're calling this a pivot where we've started with one particular direction and we've ended up going based on market feedback into a completely different direction. Was that a sudden change for you? Did you suddenly, were you sitting around and going, hey, hang on a second, we need to do this? Or was it a gradual movement across to a different direction? Uh, it, it was a gradual movement. Um, it was, we could see that... Uh, what, what Q3 does essentially allows the influencer or the, or the social public to share that value. Um, but because it is an opt-in platform, um, we don't scrape any data. We, we report directly from Instagram and we're only, I'm pretty sure we're the only company in the world that actually does that for media kits. I'm pretty much guarantee that actually. Um, only three to five companies in the world have access to API or Instagram's API and none of them use it for this. So none of them use it to actually provide the influencer with the details they need to be able to share them, uh, which is really important. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was um, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting to see, honestly. Um, but I think once we once we had that opt-in ability, there was we needed to drive influencers to the platform, and we thought that was going to be quite easy in the early days. Uh, but what we realised really quickly was that uh, it's the brands, the brands fund the channel, um, and the brands are the ones that need to know the information. Uh, and a lot of the issues that we had in the early days was education. Right. A lot of people understood that, wait, I'm already getting this data. And like, yes, but it's not accurate. Yeah. Um, if you compare it to the back of that talent's uh, insights on their app, they're going to be way off. And sometimes we saw up to 80% off. 
wow. on, on audience. And hence the erosion of trust from the brands. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, this was on uh, other platforms that these brands are paying a premium for uh, to have access to this data that, that is incorrect. Yeah. Um, so there was, there was a huge amount of uh, education that was needed. And to kind of uh, bypass that and go straight to the talent, yes, yeah, going straight to the talent uh, or straight to the influencer was, was really key. Uh, we realized that what they were doing uh, to create that value transparency was creating media kits half of the time. Yep. The other time they were sending screenshots. Uh, and the issue was, was as soon as that screenshot was taken and sent, it was old. Yeah, it's um, inaccurate immediately. Absolutely. Yeah, it would, it would expire uh, straight away. And then if they did create a media kit and save it as a PDF, uh, it, it would be old straight away as well. So they needed something that was dynamic. It was interactive. It would update all the time. And ultimately, they could be creative in, in creating it as well. Fantastic. Um, so it wasn't, that's what we created, and that's working really well. That's brilliant. And so that, that gives you the IP of Q83. That gives you the, the, the business model that is Q83. How did, you, um, how did you build your team? Did you poach from Ausfit Torsion Buzz, your first couple of people, or did you, did you start with a fresh team? No, it's actually a fresh team. It was actually quite interesting. So in the early days, I want to understand, okay, if we're going to do this, we want to have first-party data or source data directly from Instagram. It's the only way we're going to do it. We're not going to scrape accounts, do machine learning or AI or all that stuff. It's not really there yet. Maybe in 10 years, we might get there. Um, but I think we're, we're, well, uh, we're well off anything that's going to be 100% accurate in that, in that way. So um, I reached out actually a guy that I used to train five years ago um, at that time, so six years ago now, and, uh, and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this um, with Q83. What do you think about it? Um, and also, do you want a job? <laughs> and, uh, nice. and he came back and he's like, tell me a little bit more. And we had a chat about it. Uh, and and he's, uh, he's now the head of development um, and has been there for a year. And he's great. He's, uh, he's amazing. Fantastic. Uh, I honestly wouldn't be able to do anything with Q3 without him. He's, he's great. Have all uh, then, your hires been headhunts, Anthony? Have you always handpicked that person and sort of, hey, you're the guy I need to bring on board? No, we are. We, we did a little bit of headhunting um, and we still are at the moment. So the team's always growing. Uh, we're at 12 now and we're soon to be 14, which Fantastic. is great. Uh, but we're, uh, yeah, we, we kind of, we, we'd look on platforms. We'd go to networking events um, at universities for junior developers um, and see who stood out, have a chat to them. Um, I don't hire people on uh, their qualifications, honestly. Um, I hire them on their, on their ability to do the job, um, their work ethic, um, their passion. Uh, I think that they're the things that you can't train. You can send somebody on a course and get a qualification. That's easy. Um, but like Jeremy, head of dev, he, he's, he has no formal qualifications in, in development. He's self-taught um, and he's a uh, Our marketing manager was one of our BDMs. The marketing manager we did hire um, didn't work out. We, we, we just was, was useless. So we got in. He's like, well, I can fit the role. And I'm like, sure, why not? Jump in. And honestly, when it comes to design uh, and marketing strategy, he's the best I've ever seen. He's great. But he has no formal qualifications in marketing, um, which is interesting. So, um, yeah, so we kind of, we just looked at who, who can do the job and who has that passion and the drive um, and give them a shot. So cool. So did you start as, as a, a typical founder doing everything yourself and then those people have taken those roles off your shoulders and you find yourself in a, in a higher level management role now? Is that kind of where you, where you find your day? Uh, yeah. So, so I bootstrapped um, Auspit Torsion Vice. Yeah. Uh, and then we, when it came to Q83, we realized the time it would take to get the product where it needed to be, we couldn't bootstrap it. 
Definitely yep. not. Because in tech, we need to build it, we need to test it, and then we need to market it. And it's a lot of money. So we actually raised 1.4 Aussie uh, to, to do it. Uh, and it was good. So we hired everybody in the early days, but we had a small team um, of myself, um, shared finance director with uh, Ausfit, uh, shared marketing at the time, uh, and then just one salesperson. That was it. And, and Jeremy, the head of dev. Uh, and then we went into just growing out the team, understanding the direction we're going to go and where we really needed human interaction. Uh, ultimately, we're a SaaS platform. So we just wanted people to land on the website, understand the value it adds and what we do. And the whole process to be very intuitive. Um, we love the people that use our platform, but we don't want to necessarily meet them to onboard them. Yes, um, sure. The model. So it's uh, so that was generally the way we took it. But um, yeah, it's 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 kind of I couldn't have done it all by myself in the early days like I did with Ausfit. No yeah, way. definitely. I can see the different the the different needs, and and of course having that um, uh, starting point from Ausfit and that success to be able to raise that capital would have been a great help to say, look, here's what I've yeah. done, here's what I want to do, and 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 flow that model forward. So what's a what's an average day look like for you now, Anthony? Like what's what's a day in the life? Of a of yeah. a managing director of two companies and an, an incredible uh, Australian. Uh, honestly, a lot of meetings, loads of meetings. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, which is good, but harder to take out no meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, which has been pretty good. Um, and I think that's that's definitely really important because I found that I was just doing meeting after meeting after meeting, and they were really good, but the follow ups was just it was, it was just no time to do the emails and the little things. Um, but I think it's really important to to kind of be there in the in the uh, in the office with the team uh, and having fun at the same time. So generally, like I, I wake up whenever I need to. I don't have a set room routine in that. Uh, if I work back late because I'm I'm, I'm really motivated, I'm, I'm my head's in the right space. I'm just smashing out good quality work. Um, then I'll stay there. Um, and, and my fiance is really supportive. I think that's that's really important. If I'm if it's seven o'clock at night and I'm like just she asks me when I'm going to be home, and I'm like look honestly not not anytime soon. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, she's like, no problem, easy. Um, she gets it. But at that time, if it's if it's a Monday and she has the day off, I'll take the day off and spend it with her. And and that's the way I, I treat. Uh, we're, we're very linear in our in our um, I guess chain of command at work. Uh, it's it's very much if you we work to task orientated um, outcomes. So if it's Monday and it's forty degrees, um, go to the beach. I don't care as long as it comes down to the end of the task or end of the deadline. All the tasks are complete. Our sprint is complete. Everything's tested and working. Um, everyone's happy. It works really well. Um, so I think that uh, in terms of my routine and my team's routine, I think they're actually pretty much the same. Um, yeah, it right. just demands changes depending on what the, what the day demands. Yeah, cool. I love that. And, and I think that's a lot of the reason that entrepreneurs start down that path is for the freedom. And so many people that I speak to certainly end up trading that away in those first couple of years. And it's, it's fantastic to hear that you have that sprint. And I know you're using that in a dev term because I run a software company as well. So I know you're using that in a yeah. dev term. But, you know, from a business yeah. perspective, if we take it as a sprint, like let's all just get this done, bang, 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 hit some, hit some targets. And then let's just, yeah. let's have a recovery. Let's, let's take a day off. Let's go to the beach. Like that ability to sprint and pull back and sprint and pull back gives a lifestyle and a bit of a balance that I think a lot of people are missing. Definitely. And, and I think that um, that works in every aspect of life really, doesn't it? Like even when you look at uh, like fitness, yeah. people are happy and know they'll commit to something and they, they're happy to go 100% of it as long as they've got that kind of end day. They're like, okay, I get to relax on this day. I'll be happy to them. And that's what they work towards. So they're happy to go kind of really hard at something and then know it's going to end, um, which I think is really important. But uh, I think that's, that drives uh, really positive outcomes. Uh, yeah, I think definitely. if you give that structure. 
We had a guest on the podcast, uh, an Olympic um, middle distance runner, Nick Simmons, and he said something interesting about uh, about the sprint and achieving, like getting across the line. And he was saying at the end of a marathon, you know, so you've run what is it, forty two kilometers, and and you're you're looking at that and going, I I just I have ten more meters, and after that ten meters, I'm dead. Like you're literally exhausted at that point. What Nick said yeah. was, from a uh, from a physiological point of view. What was really fascinating was even at that absolute point of exhaustion, science has shown us that we have only used 16% of our total capacity. Yeah, wow. Yep. So like the, the, the concept, and I guess I'm putting that back to you, the concept of having that incredible sprint, let's put everything in and just do it until it's done. And we, we ne- as human beings, we never realize how much we can actually do you know, if we just have that deadline and keep pushing it forward. It's, it's so true. And it's one of those things where you think, like whenever you go for a run, and I think obviously a lot of your listeners are probably active and, and they, they go for a run and, and you get that spot where, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm going to stop at this tree or at this traffic light or I'm going to stop here or I can't go any further. And then you you ask, you, you kind of go back to your mind and say, well, why not? How about I go to the next one? And that's you look it. down, your legs are swinging. Your mind is just in this battle of saying, no, give up. No, that's <laughs> and, uh, right. I think it's, it's crazy. And, uh, but your legs don't stop. I've often said to people, you, you're stronger than you can ever believe. Like if you, you have that, I'm going to stop at that tree. But if that, if that was deleted, if that was eliminated and it was, I'm going to stop at the end, then you will get there. And I say to people, you're stronger than you can possibly believe. And at the same time, you're weaker than you can possibly imagine. In other words, you need a hand, you need help. You need people around you. You need, you know, mentors and, and, and materials to be able to, to, I guess, pad you from everything that's going to be bouncing you around left and right. Do you have a, do you have a business mentor, Anthony? Do you have like a, a, a uh, I guess traditional mentorship role, or do you follow certain people for your own guidance? Uh, honestly, my uh, my finance director Tony, um, he's he's got a wealth of experience in, in everything. Um, yep. So Tony's my uncle as well. Um, so he's he, unbelievable. He's, he's spent um, he's a, I guess an accountant by trade, um, but he was raising funds for uh, mines. Um, he's done done a, a wealth of experience in, in multiple different industries. And anything where I'm unsure, I lean on him and he gives some great advice. We're very much kind of yin and yang, so we work well together and, and it's, it's a really good connection, uh, which is great. So we'll, I'm generally uh, very optimistic around things uh, and he's very realistic, which is great. So we kind of equal each other out. The accelerator and the brake. Absolutely. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah, um, really cool. Really good discussions, not arguments, which is great. I don't think we've ever had an argument. Um, and we've been working together for eight years now. Um, which is which is really good. So cool. So the boy from Wagga, who started yep. with a mower repair business on a push bike, now supplying the Pentagon, the biggest military bases in the world, the UK military, Aussie military, and Kiwis, building an incredible company with Q eighty three and working with uh, publishers, working with people who have that social influence. Mate, this has been an incredible journey. And again, from my perspective, the inspiration that you've shown from, from the grit needed to get the job done and, and to move that forward has been absolutely awesome. What's next for you? What, what, are, the, what are the goals? What are the milestones that you've got in the horizon that you're, you and the team are heading for? Uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's to get uh, Q83 to profitability. Um, a lot of people will say, um, and I've listened to a few tech companies where, uh, sorry, a lot of podcasts where the, the people on there say, uh, it's a tech company and we're, we're not designed to be profitable. And I'm like, um, wait, what? <laughs> what <are you laughs> Doesn't make about? any sense. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so, no, our goal is, is, is profitability um, and, and dividends for our investors. That, that's it. Um, as well as solving problems that's win-win for, for every 
stakeholder in, in the industry. So that's that's my drive at the moment. Nice. Um, and and one thing I love is, is doing that as soon as possible and always under promising and over delivering. Uh, I think that's that's really important. So that's so that's my head at the moment. Um, in terms of other businesses, yeah, there's a couple in the background um, that are just circling like sharks, and um, uh, I've got to kind of keep my head in this game and get this profitability, get this uh, going. But in terms of Q83, we're we're, we're solely Instagram at the moment. Um, but over the next three months, we actually bring on um, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and uh, and Twitter as well. So we've got a lot of lot of dev happening, um, and it'll all be Q83 at the moment um, for, for the for the. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and I love what you're saying about, you know, having a couple of businesses floating around there in the background. Like before we clicked on record, I was talking about Q83 with you and you said that was just my ADHD kicking in. I just needed something else to take my focus. Have you got enough challenges yeah. right now? Have you, have you got enough on your plate that you can honestly look at those extra things and say, not now? Have you, are you so focused in on what, on what you've got already? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We, we've got some really exciting things for, for Q83. Like for instance, we, um, I leave for the UK in, in two days um, to go set up our UK office. Um, which is amazing and, and unheard of for a company that's a year old. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. And then, uh, and then we, we push into to, uh, New York, um, push into the States in January. Um, so it's, it's really exciting stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think this is the first time where I've actually been, no, I'm not, I'm not going to touch those other companies yet. Uh, those other businesses. I'm just going to wait until um, I, I get this one going. Uh, and to, a, to a space where actually I want it. Nice. Uh, which is really yeah. unreal, mate. Anthony, again, I'm so grateful for your time and so respectful for I'm sorry for our connection issues here, but we'll make sure that um, that we get those edited out as we as we're moving forward. Um, Anthony, I just want to say congratulations. More than That's anything easy. else. Uh, I'm pretty sure. There it is. There it is. Um, I, I want to say congratulations. And also, mate, I want to say thank you because what you've shown to an entrepreneur is that you can get started from your garage. You can build to an international brand. You can start with an idea that solves a problem. And by listening to your customers, you can pivot to a multi-million dollar multinational business in a short period of time. So I want to say Absolutely. as an entrepreneur, thank you for setting that path and making it clear that those dreams and goals can come to come to fruition for anybody that's following through. So, mate, again, thank you so much for your time. I, I can't wait to see where Q83 is going. I can't wait to see those additional platforms coming on stream. I think you're providing an amazing service for brands and for the publishers as well. Uh, and, you know, mate, again, thank you for the time and for the for the, a chance to pick your brain a little bit on what it takes. Hey, my, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been great and um, very, very humbling. Thank you. Awesome, mate. Thanks again. We'll look forward to seeing the journey forward. Hey, everyone. It's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.